What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mackie Method Podcast. I have the privilege of having the first pastor on my podcast, Bishop Derek McRae of the Experienced Christian Center right here in Orlando, Florida. And I am asking him questions. I have all my questions lined out on my sticky notes. I got questions for him, and we're going to dive into how he started his church and everything else in between and what he's doing now. got Bishop Derek L. McCray here, Experience Christian Center Church. You are the first pastor on the podcast. I feel honored, man. <laughs> it's good to have you here. Um, so not only are you a local pastor here, but you're also a client of ours because uh, you're doing a project and we're helping you with that. But you've also been one that has really, since I moved here, opened up your arms to us and uh, I certainly appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You, like many other people on this podcast, wear many hats. Right. So you uh, are a business owner. You have a podcast your own yourself, and you're a pastor and a church planner, So, which is a difference. Mm-hmm. I just want to be clear with everyone. There's a difference. Big difference. <laughs> planting a church versus taking over a church and all that. So I want to jump in and, and you, you know, introduce yourself. But one of the first things I want to ask is, how was the church planting journey. Man, the church planting journey was so challenging that I wrote a book about it. <laughs> so I didn't even know that. <laughs> I have a book called The Process. Okay. And it literally talks about some of the woes, man. I'm, I'm talking about going from um, being excited and where you are. I, I didn't run to start a church because I was successful in ministry where I was. And so I was a full-time youth pastor. Uh, that was my occupation. And um we had experienced tremendous growth uh, at one of the largest churches in Central Florida, uh, Macedonian Missionary Baptist Church, Willie C. Barnes. Okay. Great church, great ministry, great pastor. And in the height of us having probably the most successful year, the Lord says, look to your left. I looked to my left, see this crowd out there. And he says, I said, God, we did good. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. Go back. Jamal Bryant is preaching on that on stage. Wow. And then I go back. He says, look again. I look back to the audience. I'm like, what is he trying to show me? You yeah. know, and, and, I, and he says, what you say? I say, God, we've done good. Mm-hmm. Jamal Bryant is getting to the height of his message. And he says, look again. By this time, I'm getting aggravated with God. <laughs> and I said, yes. And he says, because that's the last time you're going to see that crowd. Wow. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, I want you to go and tell your pastor early that you're starting a church. Wow. So the early word was something that was real key. Because, wow. we know, historically in black churches. Yeah. The pastor discovers when a new minister is leaving, kind of like the week before or two weeks before. Right. But the Lord had me to tell him almost eight months in advance. Really? That I was going to leave. And um, then the journey became hellish. Yeah. <laughs> it literally got challenging, man. I went through having no job, um, went through the brokest season of my life, yeah. three years of poverty. Mm. Lights turned off every month. Um, had two kids in private school. Uh, had major bills still because my lifestyle was requir- acquiring that. Yeah. But it was hard, man. And then I didn't have any confidence Yeah. because um, I knew what the Lord was saying, but I knew what I was seeing. Yeah. And I had asked God for something simple. I'm like, God, give me a building on a budget. You know, the truth is there's enough churches around here, people dying every day. Yeah. Let me just take one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, no, nah, man, I'm going to start you with 22 people. Wow. No money. And we built what we have today. That was 13 years ago. Wow. That's awesome. 13 years this month, January. That's awesome. And a lot of people don't stick in there long enough 
to to see what God says. Yeah. So for 13 years is is pretty amazing. And I won't get into the details of what you're about to do because that's going to be crazy. Maybe you could share, <laughs> but but where you've come so far has been amazing. Um, so the the church you were at, that you were the youth pastor. I, I I know that's not the church you grew up in. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That was challenging. Yeah, yeah. Grew up Church of God in Christ. Man. Yeah, Co-Jet. you can't join it. You got to be, be born in it. You know, <laughs> this is the church of God in of Christ. Of God in Christ. <laughs> so, born and raised Church of God in Christ, man. Yeah. Strong Pentecostal. Yeah. And the Lord was playing games with me there. Cause so, <laughs> so he takes me from this Pentecostal movement, man, to a Baptist movement. Yes. Totally different. I literally go to first Sunday to guys with lining hymns. My wife looked at me and said, what in the hell are we doing? <laughs> I was like, it's what God told us to be at. Yeah. So we go in and we, it's a total culture shock to us. It's different. A shift. But that's when I, uh, God told me, he says, you learn how to do church. He says, but you have no clue how to do ministry. And so he says, I'm relocating you to teach you how to do ministry. And yeah. I give all credit for the ministry development, the community aspect and um, my community leadership all to Macedonia, all to wow. Willis e. Barnes. Um, my preaching, my worship service styles, it goes back to Church of God in Christ. Yeah. But how we do ministry, because not a lot of Pentecostal churches are doing ministry mm-hmm. at those levels. They're having church. And I think that yeah. if the Baptists and the Kojic or the Baptists and the Pentecostals could figure out how to get together, we really could make some influence and, yeah. and some change in our communities. So when you left Macedonia, how was that transition? It's horrible, man. Uh, <laughs> horrible, man. Uh, you know, it's I discovered... Marcus, I, I discovered that it's almost impossible for black preachers to leave black churches. Yeah. It's, it's like almost no way to do it right. Yeah, that's true. I did everything I thought was right. Yeah. I didn't recruit not one person wow. to my church. I've never asked a person to join my church mm-hmm. to this day. I never said, will you join here? Mm-hmm. And everybody that's joined my church, I've always said, did God tell you this? Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be moments when you don't feel like coming that I need to be able to pull your coattail to say, God told you to be here. Right. But, man, I lost friends. Mm-hmm. Um I was painted pretty bad in the city, you know, um, that I'm a, uh, I'm a member snatcher and all oh, that wow. stuff. And um, it was hard, man, just dealing with, you know, some family members that, you know, they didn't come with me. Yeah. You know, I didn't ask them to come with me. Matter right. of fact, some of them ain't want to go with me either. So, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it was just hard, man, to go through because the city, the city of Orlando is a hard place to start. Yeah. To be honest with you. And that's not just with churches, anything. This is a. This is a, a a good boy system city. It is. And you have to uh, either put in a lot of labor and prove them wrong. Yes. Or you got to have some strong connections so somebody can speak up for you. Yeah. There's a pastor up north, and his son came and started a church here, and it lasted about a year. And he was just saying that it was hard to pull people. You know, it was hard to get people to— not pull them, but it was hard to engage the people here, you know. And it's funny, I, now I see a lot of church plants. Everybody's come to town. <laughs> they, they're seeing something that they don't quite understand. It is the perfect example of seeing grass greener in the other yard. Yeah. yeah. But Orlando's a relationship city, man. It like, is. it's strong tides. Um, it's a place of they don't trust quickly. Yes. So you need a validator to help bring credibility to who yes, you are. absolutely. So you have to learn the right network in this city. That's true. And you can't come in here as a celebrity because this is the only city I've ever been to in my life that really can care less about a celebrity. Yeah. They can walk down the street tomorrow 
and ain't nobody jumping out to get autographed. This is the only city. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll be down here, and there's ball players, there's all type of people. And I think that's because nobody's from here. Everybody is probably majority of the people I, I know or do business with. You don't ask, I was telling my family that came in for the holiday, you don't ask where you from. Like in Chicago, where I'm from, it's like, are you from the south side, west side? You from Evanston? You from outside? You know, around that parameter. Here, it's like, where are you from? Like, what, or when, when well, did you I'm get from here? here? Well, yeah, it's very, I'm, I'm one of the very few. Very few. Very few, yeah. very few people that. But I'm not from here. here. I'm from a big city yeah. called Avon Park, Florida. Okay. It's about uh, an hour south. Okay, gotcha. And if, I, if anybody ever say a big city when they're explaining <laughs> a city, it means it's a real small yes, city. So yes. I'm from Avon Park, Florida, but I came here in third grade, man. Okay. So yeah. that kind of gave me some levels of yeah. permission to the city. But because I was coming from such a giant in the city, people got fearful, I think, to uh, be embracive of something different because they didn't want to disrupt what was already existing. Yeah. And that's Orlando. That's It's hard to break through to bring change to this city um, because there's, there's so many individuals who are fearful of um, just bringing disruption. Wow. And disruption doesn't have to be a bad thing yeah. if we don't paint it to be bad. Right, right, right. It just means a different thing. And our city is growing to a place that's big enough that we should be able to bring good disruption. Yeah, yeah. Just good disruption. Well, looking back, I'm going to take you all the way back to the beginning. Okay. Um, of course, obviously, everything that you've experienced, both good and bad, was lessons learned. But what is one thing, and I, I'm, I'm asking you this because hopefully somebody that's listening or watching this is thinking about starting a church or has started a church or people are pressuring them to start a church because that's a whole thing too, mm-hmm. right? What is one thing that you would that you regretted doing when you first started? I regret marketing to the young folks. Okay. Um, it gave me a lot of, it's two H's involved. It gave me a lot of hype, but it didn't give me a lot of help. Yeah. And I wanted to do ministry not for hype. I wanted to do ministry for help. Yeah. And so I marketed so strong to the young people. To this day, people still like, oh, you oh, you, you pastor the young people. And I be want to say, oh, you pastor the old people. So, you know, but they always paint me as the, the young people pastor. But I'm like, yo, that was 13 years ago. Right. Like, I've gotten older. Yeah. You know, I'm 47. I'm 40. No, I'm 48. That's what it is. After you turn 40, you forget. <laughs> so I'm 48 years old, turning 49 this year. Right. As I got older, so did my membership. Yes. yes. I got out of wanting to be the hype dude, yeah. not wanting the... The Instagram looks, and, and I'm still on the I'm, I'm still on the gram. I'm still on Facebook. I'm, I'm in all those spaces, but I started discovering what it was really all about. Yeah, and it was about how do we make impact and change in community. And so, if you're starting out, the first thing I say is don't start a ministry to be where you left. Mm. Don't start a church to be where you left. Like you should really become a great partner, and get satisfied with being second. And if the yeah. Lord is calling you to be first. Stay where you are yes. until your season comes for your, cha- your time to change. Yeah. If you're called, if, if you're going to start a ministry, it got to be something different. Yeah. Yeah. We got too many uh, reciprocal types of functionalities in, in, in the city. We need something that is different if there is a different need. Yeah. And if God has placed something upon your life, it should be different. Yeah. It shouldn't be the same. Um, but I, make sure that you're not going for just the hype. Yeah. Make sure that if, the, if your church closed down, I do a lot of seminars across the country teaching church leadership and church planning. 
the first thing I ask them to do is get a model for your church. The second thing I do is say, get a theme for your church. So your motto is what you get everybody in your church to become part of their character that they yeah. speak. The theme is, what are you known for? Yeah. So if your church shuts down, what would the community say is missing? Yes. And if they can't say anything is missing, your church don't really matter. Yeah. Because you can worship anywhere. You can, you can, man, we could t- put on YouTube, man, and, and hear sermons or, you know, go to Apple play, uh, play and hear some good songs and lift a hand in a car. Right. You know, but if you're asking people to come to a location, what are y'all doing? And what are you doing with where you're assigned? Right. Your zip code needs to matter. Yes. Yes. So that's what I would say to a new pastor. Especially in this city, I find a lot of people starting churches in random places versus intentional places, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing by Universal? <laughs> I started. Who's about to fight traffic to go over there? <laughs> when I first started my church, the Lord told me the Experience Christian Center. Mm. And they dogged me for my name. Wow. What does that mean, experience? Well, y'all, the highly qualified ones, you know, what you're trying to say, oh, y'all the wow. masters of experience. You know, so... Man, I was dog, man, for like three to four years straight about my name. Dang. Then now it's new life experience, you know, come experience the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's like <laughs> everything is experience now. And I'm like, wow. But it's also part of trailblazing. Yes. You got to take those licks. You got to yes. take those licks when you're doing something different. Yes. But you got to be discovered. You got to be fully confident in what you've discovered. Yes. The Lord called me to do it this way. Yeah. So, um, but he told me, he says, 3 to 805. I started there. And I blossomed in an area that everybody told me churches die. Wow. I blossomed in an area. And so the Lord then gave me permission to leave and go to a different zip code. Wow. And that's when I went to 32808. But the Lord also spoke to me and says, you will stay in an urban area. Yes. That's where the most need is. I understand my purpose. <laughs> that's where the most need is. I understand wow. my purpose. Yes, sir. Now, in the, in the same question, what do you attribute most to the growth uh, of course obviously there's God right we're not taking that away but what I wouldn't say secret sauce but what's the consistent thing that you would say attributes most to the success and growth of your church the most consistent thing is relationship um, every pastor got to have a heartbeat for the people he's called us yeah, yeah. you know time out for that you know, 15 armor bearers and you got 12 members. You know, that, that, that day is gone, man. You know, but like people want to be relational. Yeah. They want you to be transparent. Um, the other piece that I would definitely say uh, for the growth is um, you got to put people into a mission. Yeah. So people, uh, you know, church always has offerings. We understand that. People say, oh, the church just want all my money, which I always struggle with that conversation because if what you give into the church is all your money, you are really, really broke. And so, <laughs> um, but... You know, That's so true. Today, people will give more to a cause yes. than they will a Christ. Yes. yes. So, uh, if you know, if I stand up and say, "Hey, the church is trying to uh, to uh, to uh, you know, we got to keep these lights on." Remember, old churches say, "Hey, these lights cost money." Yeah. Today's church would be like, "So." Yeah. But if I stand up and say, "You know, hey, we got a cat that broke his foot, and I need to raise money to get a cast for the cat." The largest offerings that come in wow. because they are interested in causes mm-hmm. more than they're interested in what we call Christ. Yes. So yes. you got to make sure that you put your church into a, a cause. Yeah. My church motto is we're bigger than a Sunday, Yes. which means that we're working on winning Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Our people love this. Let's, let's be honest as well with this. No longer does the church have members who walk the church. No. All of our members drive in. Yes. 
most of our members drive in. I, back in the day, they walked to church because the church was in the community in which they lived. Right. Today's people are really moving out to, as the country folks would say, the outskirts, the outskirts right. of the cities. Yeah. Why are they coming back? Because they still want to have an effort of helping and contributing back to where they started. Right. And so if we want to really have a successful ministry, get a cause. Yeah. Get, get on the streets. Make, make a difference in communities. You know, give real social and economical impact yeah. to communities. And what are some of the things that experience does outside of Sunday? We're constantly in feeding. Okay. Um, right now, every Tuesday and Thursday, we feed thousands of people per Tuesday, thousands of people per Thursday. Wow. And um, when we first started it, we would crank up our Sprinter vans wow. after cooking home-cooked meals and drive it to them. And these are healthy meals that we cook as well, because that was big for us to make sure that our community was not only getting food, but getting healthy food. So we would drive out to the neighborhoods, hit our horns, and hope that people would come out. But they was nervous about that, because you know, anytime you're starting something new in the black community, they want to find out, what are you expecting out of what we do? Right. Uh, we then eventually signed a national partnership with DoorDash. Nice. Where now we, um, we're able to deliver food to homes within a 10-mile radius of our church. Wow. Free to the person who's receiving, free to the church. It's all a collective effort that we've done to feed our communities. So that's every Tuesday and Thursday. We, we're constantly involved in schools. We have eight schools that we've adopted. Wow. Uh, three middle schools and uh, five elementary schools that we've adopted that we're doing food banks, we're doing clothing drives, we're wow. doing mentorships um, that we're doing as well. We're also very, very big in just community giveaways. So one of our biggest events every year is called Seasons Blessings, where we literally service about 7,500 people in four hours. Wow. We're giving toys, we're giving gift cards. We gave away over $10,000 that last year just passed. Wow. Um, to community members for them to have groceries. We're, we're buying groceries and having groceries. We added diapers this year. And we were able to give away uh, a full U-Haul of diapers to the community away as well. Wow. Uh, we added job fair to it as well this year. So we are able to help individuals secure jobs. We've also been able to uh, help individuals go back to college. Okay. So for I'm trying to just better everyone yeah. uh, in the communities. But we do uh, financial seminars uh, that take place as well. We were doing financial literacies for our, 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 uh, our community. We uh, also have an exposure program that we do at the church. Wow. Where it's a guarantee if your kid comes to us in the sixth grade, by the time they hit 12th grade, we would have exposed them to 50 colleges and universities that the kids have placed their feet on the soil of. Wow. So a lot of different things that I'm just surfacing kind of what we do, but we mean this bigger than a Sunday thing. Wow. Our largest budget in our church is not music. It is missions. Wow. So we're giving a lot of money away. Um, in helping to impact our communities. I believe that's why our church has been birthed, Yeah, to make sure that we make a, a real impact. Uh, and we are real thankful. That alone has drawn partners yeah. of the community that's come to help us so that it's not all off of our Titan offerings. Yes. It's yes. also off yes. of different companies and corporations who see our missions and want to partner see our it. work and say, you know what, we want to help in that effort. So yeah. that's kind of what we do. That's awesome. I don't know how many churches that do as much of impact in their community, you know. The one thing I hate about churches, mm -hmm. I'm gonna say this, the oh. one thing I hate about oh. churches hate. is when they give away stuff when everybody else is giving away stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So they only feed on Thanksgiving. It's like, mm -hmm. people have to eat. All year long. All year long. There's people that are hungry We all don't year feed long. on Thanksgiving. Right. I don't, oh, give, wow. I don't give away turkeys. 
Wow. We did last year only because an accounting firm came and said, we've seen your impact all year long. Can you help us give away turkey? Wow. So we did. Yeah. But we don't usually do anything on Thanksgiving. We don't do anything on Christmas Day. We'll do a pop-up. This is one of the favorite things we've done. And we try to do this annually now during the pastor's anniversary time. We have these U-Haul trucks that we load up with tables, chairs, and we have catered food. Wow. And we'll go up under the bridges and see all of the homeless guys. Yeah. And our team would jump out. Imagine about almost 100 people jumping out, setting up a whole restaurant in a matter of a few minutes, inviting everybody across the street, come sit and eat mac and cheese. We talk about uh, baked chicken. We talk about greens. Good food. And our members, our leadership teams, sit with them and have conversation with them while we serve them the entire time. Wow. And then we load it all back up before code enforcement comes, and we jump in the vans <laughs> and, the, and the U-Haul trucks and drive back off. But we wow. do that every year during pastor's anniversary time. That's crazy. So we're, we're consistent. We're, we're, we're mindful of the needs. And let me show you where that came from. It came from a time that uh, me and my wife, we were really, really struggling financially. I mean, real bad. I mean, like Lights were off every month. I'm pastoring. And I was wondering, like, God, why did you take me from this to that? And I had music down packed. I was an ex-musician, so um, played professionally for years. So I had music down packed. Youth ministry I had down packed because I was pastoring, youth pastoring one of the most successful youth ministries in the southeast portion of the United States. What I did not have is a pulse for missions. Wow. So he allowed me to need so that I make sure that everybody who looks like yeah, where I was yeah. would never be in need. Yeah, and that's yeah. where my passion comes from for outreach. Yeah, you, you become what you serve. And I think that's the, the important part of, of ministry is there's a lot of people that identify with it or don't identify with it, know that there's a need there and try to serve it without actually experiencing it. Right, and that means you don't have a passion for it. Right. So like, you know, uh, I'm reminded of a lot of different individuals. You think about the, the, uh, the, the Marilyn Hickeys and the Benny Hens and all yeah. these people who have healing ministries. If you go back and listen to their testimonies, they went through family members who was extremely sick only to see God heal them. Yes. So now, we go through trials so that our faith increases. Yes. And when our faith increases, now we're able to bring other people over. Right. Because now we have a testimony. So that's kind of what happened to me, man. Yes. And that's why as long as I'm living, my church is going to be strong on what are we doing for other people. What does your um, core leadership look like? And how do you decide who gets to, not want to say who gets to do what, but how do you decide what the needs are? So first of all, I'm, I'm not biased. I'm not a male oriented yeah. leader. Um, I have females who also in my leadership as well for me. Um, since I became bishop, you know, I'm still getting used to that title <laughs> and that, that whole role. When I call him, I say, your grace. I know that yeah, bothers I, you. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. But when I became bishop, um, the Lord then released me to have pastors in my church. Yeah. Um, and so I have five uh, associate pastors. Okay. And they all oversee all of my ministries. Okay. So, um, they all do a phenomenal job. I mean, like all of them have been with me a minimum, I think, eight years. Nice. Um, but they all oversee different ministries in my church. We are successful because they are. Mm-hmm. I turn my focus from making sure that the projects are done to making sure that those who serve under me are good. Mm-hmm. So when I say good, I don't mean like they're talented. I mean, like, I'm checking now how y'all bills looking. Mm-hmm. You know, are you tired? You know, are y'all hungry? Let me go get something for you all to eat. So yeah. I serve them strong. In return, they're serving the needs of the church strong. Wow. So um, I don't believe in appointing people to positions. I believe that um, 
that you should really come to me and tell me where you feel God is leading you. And I should be the vehicle to help assist you to fulfill the role that God has called you. For too long, man, we was putting people because they joined the church and we had a need. We was putting them in a position. Yeah. And that's played out. Mm-hmm. That's no conviction. That's no passion. So now you're getting lethargic behavior in ministries all right. because at the end of the day, they're going to tell you, I didn't want to be here in the first place. Right. You told me to do this. <laughs> so I'm much more on, so what is God telling you? Yeah. Because I think even in every tier of ministry, there should be relationship. Yeah. Got to be relationship. I like something you did ask me the other day. Um, oh, okay. What makes the experience different? Okay. I got a way I want to answer that. So okay. you got to set that question up though. What makes the experience different? <laughs> so we into it now, huh? <laughs> different is a big word. Yeah. I think instead of saying different because it brings competitive nature. Yeah. I like to say targeted. Mm-hmm. Experience is different because we target certain areas. Yeah. We are the only church I know in the nation that you can go from trap music to a hymn. Hold on, y'all, y'all listen to trap music? In oh, we, we, the musicians would turn to a trap music kind of feel in church. And it's so <laughs> funny to see the mothers in the church tell my, hey, hey, hey. So, um, but we really target from the youngest to the oldest. Okay. And we want everybody to find a place. Yeah. So I can go from being a lecture style of preacher to a traditional style of preacher all in the same service. Yeah. Um, and, and that was always our target. We want to make sure that there is something for everybody mm. when you come here. Wow. That's the only thing that I think, um, that, that's what we do best. How old is your oldest member? My oldest member right now is 77, 78 years old. Dang. 78 years old and in church every Bible study and every Sunday. Really? 78. Um, I have a strong population <laughs> Unbeknownst, that's that's old black country church yeah. right there. Unbeknownst to most people, I have a strong population of fifty-five to seventy-eight. Wow! Like it's a lot of them there, and um, everybody just thinks youthful, youthful, youthful. Yeah. They don't believe that as much now since they're looking at the gray beard and stuff. So, <laughs> but I have a very, very solid older population who is crazy about. It. I think they're more crazy about our church than the younger population wow. is. So wow. we try to minister to everybody, man. But I'm, I'm traditional at heart. But I'm mindful of the need of today contemporary church. Yeah, and yeah. I try to make sure we blend the both because I don't think either or is unnecessary. Yeah. I think yeah. both are extremely necessary. I grew up with both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people grew up with both. Yeah. You know, we grew up making fun of old people, how they shouted, how they. And we walked. still do. And we still do. I, st- I, I make fun of it still. I d- <laughs> <laughs> and then you have churches where there's a lot of older people and there's. No younger people. There's no babies. There's no future. Future. It's going to die off. Yeah. And that's the sad part. I have a friend in Cincinnati who has a thriving church there, and I just preach for him. And he's like, last year he was like. Hold on, stop. Say that part again. You just what? I just preached for him. (laughs) He's like, Bishop McCray's trying to get me back in the pulpit. (laughs) I am. And it sounds like you're already getting there. Yes, sir. Okay. But last year he told me, he said, that one of the best sounds he likes is when a baby's interrupting him preaching. Wow, wow. He says, says I can tell my church is growing. Wow, he I said, like that. It's not membership. I like he that. He said, it's not, it's not because people are joining my church. He said, because people can join and leave tomorrow. He right. said, but yeah. when I hear babies crying. That's good. He said, I know that my church is growing. I'm gonna use that. I got yeah. a few of them that be crying in church. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how to get bottles in their mouth. But I need to start giving God praise because that means my church is growing. Your church is growing. 
it's I'm growing. Using that. I'm it's, using it's, that one. They're, they're not they're not joining. They're born in. Mm, I know? like that. So because you don't see yeah. generational church anymore. Don't you don't you don't? Oh, they have a place for them, but you know you see churches that they're not marrying people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you got you got more funerals than weddings. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. What is the most common misconceptions that people have about pastors? That we are lame. <laughs> um, man, my kids are always trying to teach their friends mm-hmm. that no, 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 they're not like that, you know. Yeah. So I have two older sons. Uh-huh. Um, my oldest son is back now from fam. Uh, my second son is a second year at fam. Okay. And it's always amazing when their friends finally come around the house. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, hold on, man, your daddy, your mama cool. Yeah. Like, like, we got a, we got a different side, man. You know, yeah. so I go out of town to enjoy myself. Yeah. Because my city can't receive me. Mm. So uh, not saying that I'm sinning, but I am saying that I'm not looking starchy. Right. You know. So right. Right. Vegas is a good spot for yeah. us. You know. Yeah. I gamble. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not hey. bad with it. No. But for everybody want a dog gambling and call it a sin, I just need all of them to rip up their 401ks and their 403b <laughs> plans because every time you invest per month, you are hoping, hoping. that something's coming yeah. back. But we have a good time, man. But I think that's the main thing that we're. That we're out of touch. Yes. You know, we're we're we we have fun, man. Yeah. I, I feel I'm cool. <laughs> you are cool. You thank, are cool. Thank yeah. you so much, sir. Here's a, a a real question that I can relate to and 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 I think a lot of people don't know, but I, I want you to really answer this uh pretty thoroughly because I think it'll put per, I, I think it'll especially if your members are listening, it'll definitely put them in perspective. How many hours do you prepare for preaching? You know, I used to try to count that, and I no longer could count it. Uh, and it was validated in my seminary class, um, my last semester, matter of fact, because um, a, a student asked that question in our preaching class. And the instructor said, you can never put hours on what you do to prepare. He said, because life is a preparation. Yes. So... Um, I'll start out reading something Sunday night because I feel like I didn't do a good job on Sunday morning. <laughs> Every Sunday, I'm so critical. I go back and look at myself yeah. and watch um, what I said, what I did. Ah, oh, I could have done it better. And I immediately start reading, and then I end up in a cross-reference. Yeah. Once I start that, that's a thought for the day. That thought will sit on me, and I wake up every day. So you do your normal devotions and reading. Um, you tend to go across the Scripture to in the afternoon. And then sometimes you take a deeper dive around five or six o'clock. Um, and then you have those crazy times where God wake you up at three in the morning. I yeah. want you to start reading this text. But I, I read seven days a week. Mm. Um, and it's not just Bible. So I got to read newspapers. Yeah. I, I got to be strong on CNNs. Because you need to know the world while you know the word. Yes. And if you don't know yes. both, you're going to just really give Struggle. a misrepresentation of yeah. what the word is saying to today. Yes. So. Um, minimum, man, I could even put that into time, Mark. We may be talking about three to six hours a day. Yeah. If you really calculated your yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but everybody knows there's only two things that play on my TV screen, you know, ESPN and uh, CNN. Uh, if you was going to say the word network, Not I, would just can- I would just cancel this whole thing. Not at all. <laughs> no. I, I don't watch that stuff, man. Like. I ain't gonna say nothing bad about. Well, I'm just not. I'm just gonna say I don't watch that stuff. Watch this. And before, um, when I, before I was pastoring, mm-hmm. I always here's my little flow I used to do. So I'm always gonna eat a, a Snicker bar 
and drink a Mountain Dew mm -hmm. before I preach. That gives me my energy. Yeah. But I used to always watch uh, Comic View okay. and my old pastor. <laughs> so I would put a video of my old pastor on back in the day, mm -hmm. and I would watch Comic View. And between the two, I was sermon ready because I'm getting up with jokes. I'm cracking on I people in the it. audience. <laughs> I'm saying little sly comments, yes. all that kind of stuff. And I'm also dealing with the word. Yes. That's with my package. To this day, if you sit in my church, you're going to hear jokes. Yeah. I'm going to do something that's a little that's off good. script. But makes people uh, comfortable. Makes people comfortable. Yeah. And if you can't laugh, do not show up in my church because there's going to be some funny <laughs> stuff going to happen. And I'm going to highlight it. If you missed it, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but like, did y'all see that happen <laughs> earlier? That, that was hilarious. You know, so I think that church has been too tense. Yeah. And we got to take the air out the bubble, man. Yeah. And just breathe a little yeah. bit. You can enjoy yourself in church. Yes. I enjoy myself because yes. if I didn't, I wouldn't come back. But the other part is, is, and I think a lot of people don't know this, that there is a difference between a personal study life and preaching prep. Definitely so. You never read to preach. Mm -hmm. um, I think scripted and 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 I hope young preachers are listening yeah, to this scripted too. Scripted and unrelatable preachers. Yeah, read to preach. Yeah, because everything is a theory. Yeah, You're trying to come to a theory. Your best preaching comes from your practical, just personal reading. You know, like like authentic being authentic comes from you just having it stored up in you. I read so much that I don't preach. Mm. You know, like it's so much. I'll be like, God, why you took me through this whole passage to only give me that one piece? He's like, that's all for you. Now, do not get up there and tell them people all that stuff. <laughs> You're going to be too long. Yes. You know, like that that hour yes. and a half preaching stuff, man, that stuff is gone like an yeah. A-track. Yeah. You know, so today, you, you better figure out to put that thing in 25, 35 minutes. If you if you do an hour today, your, your, your pews show you that you do an hour. Wow. Because ain't nobody out there. Ain't nobody. <laughs> ain't nobody out there. They be like, you caught me this time, Pastor, but you ain't going to catch me again. I ain't come back for six more months. <laughs> I'm getting ready to close, right? Get, get, seven times. Five, right. <laughs> All right. So here's my final question. I'll ask the pastor. Well, I have two. I got two. Let me ask you this one. Mm -hmm. What is a tip that you would give someone that is in a, that is in church leadership, not the pastor, just church leadership, that their pastor will not say but expect? For them to have his spirit. Okay. Um, it sounds like an arrogant statement, but it's so true. They only want you as a leader because he gave you to them. If the scenario was the best, they want the pastor to be that person instead of you. Right. But they will accept you because he assigned you. Right. They will follow you as long as you stay in his spirit. But the moment that you step into your own flesh, they will crucify you. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember for me, man, um, I can't sing to save my life. You know, I, I sing good enough for the church to get excited, mm -hmm. but only my church can get excited. Yeah. I go to another church, they be like, oh, that's real horrible. You know, so, <laughs> but I remember I, I was directing the choir for a period of time. It's the largest choir I've ever had in my church when I was directing the choir. Mm -hmm. I can't sing. Mm -hmm. But because the pastor is there, let the pastor say, I want to meet with all the parents for the youth. All the parents are showing up. Mm -hmm. Take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. When I was at Macedonia, Willie C. Barnes could get more people to show up for anything for youth than I could. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, they really want him. Mm -hmm. But they are embracing me because he assigned me. So don't try to step outside your own lane. Yeah. Be comfortable in being in the authority of who's sent you. That'll help you a lot. How does it feel when people leave? Oh, it hurts. It's, it's like a dagger. Yeah. You know, extremely transparent. <laughs> when somebody leaves... Um, 
for one, usually when they leave, they, like they have to make it like somebody was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that usually gets really blown out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And people leave. And then sometimes when they leave, it may be a misunderstanding, it may be a disagreement. And when they leave, now you're no longer anything when you was everything. Yeah. And most people that jump churches a lot are the ones who are the strongest on the benevolent list. You know, so they right. keep going to every place. And after they've drained the, the, the faucet dry and you can't give to them anymore, they leave. They leave. Yeah. But it also is very frustrating to the pastor because we feel a little vulnerable mm -hmm. because we got to stay when there's moments that we want to leave, mm -hmm. you know, wow. but we have to stay. So it's painful. It feels like a relationship that went bad. It feels sometimes like you don't qualify to still be considered in their circles. Wow. It's uh, lonely because you know people are talking about you, like what happened, and never is there a blame on the member. It's always a blame on the pastor. Yeah. So it's a hard thing, man, when people leave your church, especially when you've poured a lot into them and you start recalculating what you could have done with your time with other people and with your family. <laughs> That's real. You know, like, hey, I spent all this time at the hospital with you and y'all gonna leave now that you heal? Mm -hmm. Or I helped you start your business and now you don't wanna give and you're gonna leave my church? Talking about you too busy for us now? Where if it had not been, not for the Lord on your side, but us on your side, yeah. you know, where would you Option be? For you, you right. know, so, you know, that, man, all that stuff is gut-wrenching. Yeah. And then lastly, it makes you self-reflect. What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? And with fickle people, man, that's a hard place for pastors. And I think that's why you're seeing so many with uh, suicide and, um, you know, you see drinking pastors and we take a lot of hits for these kind of behaviors. It's nothing different than us just trying to figure out coping mechanisms. Some of these pastors are on drugs. Yeah. They're trying to cope. It's not that they want to be on drugs. Right. They don't know any other solutions. The yeah. other solution for them is suicide. They don't want to die. Right. So they're trying to figure out how to suppress some of this stuff that they're dealing with. Wow. And then you have that other piece where if you don't have a strong family life, now you start to feel like and nobody cares. Nobody cares, yeah. yeah. Because who comes to the aid of the pastor? Mm-hmm. Who comes? And then the pastor feels bad when it's the members that are coming to the aid. Yeah. Because now I'm supposed to be there for you. So I recommend that pastors always have a good mentor. Yeah. You need somebody above you that can help pour into you. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't have that, you're going to keep being the top of the totem pole, and you're going to keep falling. <laughs> keep falling. Until you're not. Yeah. That's, but that's, that's a hard place, man, for people yeah. to leave. And uh, we, we got to look strong, yeah. but we're so vulnerable. We're, we're, we're afraid of it. Yeah, We're afraid of it um, because most pastors are introverts, and we become vulnerable for membership. Mm. And when we find membership uh, hurting us, it makes us go back and say, this is why right. I'm an introvert. Bishop, thank you so much. Thank you, I man. I appreciate it. Um, you're doing big things in the city. You have been doing big things in the city. And they ain't seen nothing it. yet. I know, right? Hey, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, and I'm glad that you're in our city, man. I Absolutely. really, I want to say to you, I'm really, really excited. I've been talking about you to people, too. Oh, good thing. I'm so, excited. Yeah. yeah, of course. So <laughs> I'm excited that you're in our city, man. We need more innovators like you. Yes, sir. And we need people to hit the ground running, man. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what you've done. Yes, sir. So I'm proud of you. I appreciate Still it. Still waiting for you to walk through the doors. But I'm real proud of you, the family, man. You know, I keep looking at all the pictures and yes, sir. all the travel destinations that y'all keep going on. I'm like, man, we can't travel right across the street to Pine Hills. But it's it's all good, though. It's all good. I was I was prepared for this. I was prepared for this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We appreciate it.